Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North. So I'm gonna ready this. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We're back. It, it was we we had a way too many technical problems last week. So this week we have two weeks worth of tech stories to go to, or go through rather. And we're gonna start with quite possibly what might be the blight of all my problems. Windows 10 update KB4532693. A number I have already forgotten. But it apparently has so many various problems with it that it already has been caught deleting files on people's PCs without their permission. You know what really annoys me about it, though? This isn't the first time a Windows update has been caught deleting files. The October update of, what was it, 2018, 2017? That, too, had problems. Just deciding, you know what, delete files. Microsoft... Whatever you do, just just leave out the part of the code that says delete random files. I know software updates are not that simple. But it just feels like we're just leaving Pac-Man in the blasted updates. As just Pac-Man just going, hey, look, there's a file. Ow. Waka, waka, waka. <sighs> I don't know what the details are, nor do I really care what the details are. My point for this is, A, letting you know that, A, I know I just said A twice, I don't care, that this problem exists, and B, it's not the worst idea in the world to set your Windows updates to delay installs. Like, the update already has been postponed. You can no longer get this update. At least not until they fix it. And by then it's going to be probably known as KB4532694. But that's what it is. And, And on top of that, there is a different update that had issues. And Microsoft also confirmed that, yeah, we're going to pull that update too. That one is KB4524244. such a headache the things we put up with and you and you know what the worst part is the worst part is when these sort of things happen who comes out of the woodwork to start talking about it the mac fanboys they're gonna come out and start going this is why mac is superior to which then you just go back to them and saying yeah how's that keyboard treating you And why don't we talk about instead something that affects all of us equally. Like the fact that Clearview just had their entire customer list leaked out. Clearview is a company that develops facial recognition software. And in fact, 
is used by the Justice Department. Immigrant control. Um, I forgot what the actual. I I I was about to say the Immigration Control Enforcement. Is that what ICE stands for? It doesn't matter. ICE, Macy's, Walmart, the NBA, and more. I was wrong. Chat is starting to go full Linux and saying that I need to embrace the penguin because Linux does not have these problems. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. I knew I was I had it wrong. Thank you, chat. But regardless of what the acronym actually is, we now know that hey, all of these departments, government bodies, and department stores, for some reason, are using facial recognition in one way or another. You know what's actually more surprising about this, though? I'm being told that uh, Temple OS isn't Linux by chat, and I also uh, don't care. Anyway, back to the point. What's more surprising about this is that when these documents leaked, a large number of people on the internet started going, that Clearview company is using my pictures I post on the internet for everyone to see. That's so evil. To which I and everyone else with a working brain goes, well, of course they did. You posted your pictures on the internet for everyone to see. Literally everyone. That means it's going to be used for both good and bad. Consider these things. It's a good idea. Although, what's funny about this is that now that all these things came to view with clear view which wasn't really all that surprising now they're facing lawsuits by the state of California and Illinois for taking information without the consent of those individuals despite the fact those individuals post their pictures online for everyone to see that is going to be amusing Shifting gears quite a bit, Congress is giving small internet service providers $1 billion to transition off Huawei and ZTE network gear. Wow. So... Another story I actually did end up scrapping was one in which Huawei was caught and accused again of stealing trade secrets. But at the very least, 
they're going all out with purging Huawei. You got to give them that. I don't know. It's get, the, like, look, the, the entire story about Huawei. And on one side, you have big government bu- bullying foreign tech company. And on the other hand, you have story after story after story after story of Huawei helping other fascist governments spy on their populations. Like, it's both fascinating and boring. Chat, I think, has the right idea, though. We need to go quickly open up a small network service provider and have one Huawei smartphone and then get a billion dollars to replace that Huawei smartphone with probably nothing. I love this plan. Actually, what I should do What I actually would be curious about, when I actually go and get some of some of this some of the uh, equipment I'm planning on from the corporate off-lease providers that I deal with on a semi-regular basis, I actually am curious how much Huawei networking gear is actually sitting on pallets. Hmm. Meanwhile, across the pond, the European Union, after kind of not really sure what to uh, what to do about the whole charging port thing. That was the last thing they worked on, was trying to get every single phone to use USB-C, but then never being clear about which flavor of USB-C, not realizing that there's a kajillion different flavors of the blasted port, and not all of them behave the same. I mean, heck, on that same note, you could have a USB-C port, have it only be data in, and then saying, oh, you want to charge it? You need to use our wireless charger. Although back on the Huawei topic, chat's wondering if Cisco encryption is all right. I'll be honest, I have no idea. I legit have no idea. But anyway, after that whole fight with the EU, the EU wants to bring back user-removable batteries. I'm I'm torn on this. I really am. I'm actually curious what you guys, the listeners, actually think about this. Bringing back the old user-replaceable batteries. Because on one hand, that sort of serviceability is great. On the other hand... 
By doing that, the waterproofing we enjoy now is gone. There's no way you're going to have user replaceability in the way that it's being implied and have that IP rating. There's no way. It also means that phones are going to get thicker again, which, I mean... I mean, yeah, it's this, this getting thicker. That wouldn't be that big a deal. Chat's saying it's been done before. I don't think it's been done to the same rating that we have nowadays, though. That's the thing. Like, to get it where it's as submergible as it is, it requires the glue, at least from my understanding. Chat is trying to prove me wrong here. With this phone here, ba ba da ba da ba da. The semi rugged phone. So, I mean, there's already that. The thing is, they don't have an IP rating listed on it. Oh, here we go. Here's our specs. The this is not very compelling podcasting. What is this? The Kyocera Torque Black for Gigabyte. Waterproof up to three point two eight feet of water for thirty minutes with no IP rating. So either they didn't pay for it or yeah. The thing is, is that I like this particular phone that chat has brought up. It's a very thick, rugged phone. I have a hard time seeing the mass public lo- grabbing onto that. Like for the for the for the proper clientele, yeah, that that sort of super rugged usable phone is gonna work great. And I got so many tabs over here. I need to make sure I actually grab the right ones. Oh man! Now I will say, I would be on board if it was a couple of screws. To remove the back panel and access the battery in that manner, even if it meant the removable glue strips that are used nowadays. Because, like, right now, the entire, the, the whole, th- like, in order for me to, like, say, replace the battery on my S10 that I'm holding right now in my hand, step one is a heat gun to then melt the glue on the back. And then step two is using several guitar picks to slice through the melted glue and hopefully you don't shatter the glass. Like, that's not serviceable. And that part I do hate. And actually, in the case of this one, they don't even use the proper glue strips. Samsung, in particular, just uses permanent adhesive. So if I take out the old battery, I'm inevitably going to be bending, damaging the battery, which can, if it still has life left in it, even a little bit, 
cause it to swell, expand, and eventually combust. Like, I would not mind regulation to say you have to go and use a form of adhesive that is easily removable instead of the permanent adhesive that specifically Samsung and many others use. And oddly enough, Apple doesn't use it. Apple actually uses glue strips, which is what everyone else should do. What the EU is talking is about user serviceable phones. And that I just don't see happening. As much as I'd love to see repairable, semi-modular phones come into existence, which has been attempted, and unfortunately all those projects ended up dying because of a lack of interest from the public, I see this going the same sort of way, or there being a huge backlash. So I don't know. I'd like to see it. I don't think it's going to happen. Not in the capability that we're all imagining. Shifting gears yet again, rather radically. Firefox is rolling out DNS over HTTPS. So normally when you browse the web over the HTTPS protocol, it's all encrypted and is it's technically not completely unviewable but is mostly unviewable no one can see what you're doing with you know a big asterisk and i'm saying that again with an asterisk i can i can sense you typing chat i can sense you typing angrily I know, I know. There's plenty of caveats, plenty that I'm not even imagining. But for the most part, HTTPS is secure. But when you're requesting that address, it is not. What Firefox is rolling out is to put out the web address request through a mile, through a. What's the right term for it? A halfway decent DNS so that your ISP and other prying eyes cannot see what you're requesting. Chat's saying, oh, we were supposed to have pitchfork. Sorry, we're on break. So this puts Firefox in a very interesting position because right now, unfortunately, as much as I love Firefox, they are one of the more inferior ways to use the web right now. And unfortunately, a lot of that has to do with the market share being heavily in favor of Chrome and Chromium. A large chunk of things when using Firefox just don't work correctly, which is a shame.
Oh, chat's reminding me that the uh, DNS feature that uh, that the DNS over HTTPS is being routed through Cloudflare. I couldn't nail. I couldn't remember exactly who it was that was that was doing it. So it means that Cloudflare can see what you're requesting, but not your ISP. Which you take that for what you will. We'll put it that way. Now, granted, this feature is not, like, always, always, always enabled. You can, in fact, turn it off if you do not trust Cloudflare. Or, if you're really paranoid about security, you can always just get a... Not a DNS, a VPN of your own. All right, let's shift gears. Let's talk about NVIDIA GeForce Now. GeForce Now has been growing rather quickly, mostly because it's existed for so long and only now is finally available for the masses to use, at least in any sort of meaningful way. However, the list of companies that wants to pull out of GeForce Now is rather obnoxious. We talked before about Blizzard getting out, and Blizzard actually has said that, hey, this is all a, just just said we never agreed to be on there, to which I read as, we either A, completely misunderstood and thought that people were going to play our games for free, or B, we want our palms greased to have our games that people already paid for played on your service. Because this is the key thing about GeForce Now. If I play... Let's say Overwatch. I don't know why, but let, let's pretend for a second. I got really big back into Overwatch, and I decided that my rig can't handle it, so I'm going to go play Overwatch on GeForce now. I pay $5 to NVIDIA for the service, and I cannot play Overwatch on their service unless I already have Overwatch bought for the PC. So I already gave Blizzard or Activision or whoever my what what is Overwatch now? $60? Whatever it is. I already gave them that money. Blizzard already got got their money and on top of that if I am foolish enough to actually go ahead and buy loot boxes, I am once again also giving Activision Blizzard, more of my money. I will then afterwards have to go into a corner, cry, and think about what I've done with my life. But it's not like... It's not like I'm bypassing paying Activision Blizzard for using their game. But that's not 
good enough for them. We don't know what details are going on behind the scenes. I suspect that Activision does want a bit more than just saying, hey, it's it's there, go nuts. And in a related move, Bethesda also pulled their games out of GeForce Now. So now I'll never know if Wolfenstein Youngblood really did glitch, twitch, and freak out so badly on my system because my system is old or if the game is made by Bethesda. I'll never know now! (sighs) What the heck? This is the part that just kind of blows me away. Because it's not like we're avoiding paying them. However, in the war of uh, cloud gaming, Google is bringing Stadia to Samsung, Asus, and Razer smartphones. That'll stir some life back into a dead platform. Actually, here here's a real question for, for, for the listeners here. Can you think of a more dead-on-arrival platform than Stadia? I'm sure there is. And it's probably going to be another Google platform. But man. Man, oh man. The difference here, though, is that the other platforms that are more dead on arrival than Stadia, someone pulled the plug. Google is dead set on keeping this alive. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, how everything is being canceled thanks to the coronavirus. It's getting kind of ridiculous. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, it's no secret, coronavirus is pretty much the new, it's the new SARS. It's the new swine flu. There is no doubt about it. What's fascinating about this, what's fascinating about this virus is the fact that it's so contagious. But realistically, its death rate is absurdly low. It's basically a super contagious flu. That's what we know about it right now.
But the way this thing is just going out and just single-handedly closing event after event after event, the freaking Mobile World Congress, as we spoke before, was canceled. Sony has pulled out of PAX East being concerned about coronavirus, even though there's no case of it in Boston yet. Facebook has canceled their F8 developer conference over the coronavirus. Although they could, in fact, just have closed it because Facebook has nothing of value to contribute to the world. But then again, that hasn't stopped them from holding F8 before, but that's more me ripping on Facebook than anything else. The Geneva Motor Show also shut down, but we will be seeing all the various vehicles being showcased outside of that. GDC 2020 is might not even happen. Microsoft, Unity, Project Red, Amazon have all pulled out of GDC. And interestingly enough, actually at ground zero of the coronavirus concerts are instead moving over to live streaming services to hold their live shows rather than actually having live events which I'm not going to lie that does amuse me greatly rather than being worried about it Now, don't get me wrong. I know that this virus is a big deal. The fact that it's so contagious, the fact that it can, in fact, mutate, though hasn't yet, into something far worse, is a big concern. What is absolutely fascinating to me is exactly what Chad is commenting on itself. The hysteria behind it. Because when push comes to shove, let's say that well, let's not let's not say. Yeah, it's more likely that I would suffer mortal injury. From driving my truck, which actually just recently had major brake problems, mind you, than I would from the virus. But it's the fact that we don't know anything about it. The fact that it's such an unknown factor that it's causing all this. And that's what makes us so interesting from a terrible point of view. In fact, heck... Linus Sebastian from Linus Tech Tips just blatantly went out there and said, hey, 
the quarantines, the lockdowns because of this virus in China are very soon going to be putting a major strain on the supply chain of computer parts. Factories are only recently starting to get close to being at 50% production of what they were. So shortages of these parts are going to be hitting the rest of the world soon. When you have concerns like that coming out, it kind of makes something that, granted, is basically super flu become a big deal. Also, I'd, I'd also like to point out, you have better odds of me calling this coronavirus or super flu than you do of by its actual name, which is COVID-19. Actually, can we just keep calling it super flu? I'm going to keep calling it super flu. You can't stop me. All right. Well, now that we're thoroughly depressed... Let's get into more fun news. The Galaxy Z Flip. I actually don't know how much we have talked about this on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Because a lot of this news didn't come out until after I recorded the Eagle Eyes on Tech before Anime Milwaukee. The various teardowns and stress tests and everything of the Z Flip. Chat is threatening to unfollow, unsub, and uh, drag me out to the streets with pitchforks if I if I don't stop using the term super flu. I don't care. We're on that. We're off that topic now. <laughs> so here's the thing with the Z Flip. The Z Flip, when it was first announced, said they have broken the laws of physics by inventing bendable glass. Enter YouTuber Jerry Rig Everything. Jerry Rig Everything, what he does is he uses very extreme methods to stress test smartphones, including picks from Moe's scale of hardness to determine what the phone's made out of, razor blades, lighters, and trying to bend the phone with his bare hands until it snaps. And on these new bendable phones, taking a pocket full of sand to see if it ruins the hinge. Needless to say, it is hilarious overkill. But it still does teach you something about the structure of the phone. So even though it's very unlikely you're going to take a fistful of stand and pour it directly onto a bendable phone, it still teaches you something. What Jerry Rig found is that there is a plastic layer on the screen. 
which does scratch with a plastic tip at a level 2. And yes, permanent damage is done to the bendable screen with your fingernail. You flick across the screen one time incorrectly with your fingernail and permanent damage is done to the bendable screen. Glass normally doesn't suffer any sort of damage like that until what's referred to on the most skill hardness, a level six. We're talking a level two. So this means that Samsung lied. Well, they didn't. Upon tearing down the phone, peeling off the top plastic layer reveals that there is, in fact, bendable and very fragile glass underneath. But here's the killer part. Here is the killer part. If you peel off this top plastic layer, the screen underneath goes black instantly. This plastic fragile layer is actually a core component of the screen. So what the heck is the point of the glass? We use glass on non-bendable phones because of its because it's resistant to scratch to scratches. So why have it under the super fragile plastic layer? The only reason people can think is to give it a little bit of rigidity underneath it, which I guess that provides. But at the same time, it's just like, why go through all the effort of telling us it's a glass phone when it has none of the benefits of being a glass phone? And keep in mind, there are three, actually more than three. There are more, There are at least two other mainstream bendable phones that do not have glass in the screen at all. They are all plastic. The Moto Razor is all plastic, and the Galaxy Fold is also all plastic. The Royale FlexPie, which everyone forgot about because it's terrible, also is all plastic. The Z Flip's the only one that has glass on it. Oh, and those those fibers, those bristles that uh, the Galaxy Z Flip kind of touted about, saying that that's going to keep the dust out. Uh, spoiler alert, it's not. Granted, it was more resistant to Jerry Riggs absurd pocket sand test it did survive it but it's not the end all be all by any stretch of the imagination meanwhile over at Motorola their screen which is also in plastic layers I might add delaminated and separated because of the cold 
so if you have a Motorola Razor, normally for getting your phone in the car on a cold on a cold winter's day, would just bring the fear of someone smashing your windshield to steal your phone. Now it can just destroy it too. Ooh. But at the same time, Samsung is so proud of their own screen that uh, they're willing to sell their screen technology to other companies. So you too can have a glass screen that has none of the benefits of being glass as well. Look, I, I don't care how much disposable cash you have. Do not buy a bendable phone. Just don't. Just don't. Oh, by the way, I messed up the order of my of my stories. This actually was meant to be talked about when we were talking about coronavirus earlier. Uh, Amazon has had to announce they are removing all listings for any product that claims to be a cure for coronavirus. It turns out that there is no cure for the uncurable yet. So no, scientists still need to develop one. You cannot just go to Amazon and just, yeah, no, don't do it. Don't do it. They are scams. Don't do it. We're going to shift gears over to Tesla. This was a story that I actually kind of intentionally stayed out of. Because I wanted to see what the response was going to be from Tesla regarding this story. We're going to rewind a month ago. Someone at a car auction goes and buys a used Tesla. Okay? You follow me so far? They buy the Tesla knowing that it has the autopilot feature bought for it. All right. Now, normally, anyone who has gone car shopping knows that there are 80 kajillion different packages that can be gotten with a car. I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. There's performance packages, chrome wheels, frickin' different mirror options, different uh, heads-up display option on, on a lot of cars, different infotainment systems, heated seats, cooled seats, heated steering wheels, cooled steering wheels, blah, 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 blah. You think of an option, it has been sold as part of a car in some way, shape, or form, or you just don't get it. All right? Teslas don't really have that. Most Teslas have in each model 
have either two or three base options, which usually determines the battery size and its performance. Then maybe one, two, or three different interior options, five different exterior options, maybe two or three different options for wheels, and then self-driving. That's it. It actually is kind of shocking how little you can customize a Tesla. I'm fairly certain when the Cybertrunk trunk truck goes for sale, there's going to be very few options on that, which is a shame because if I was going to get an electric pickup truck, I'd want it to look like an actual vehicle instead of something that was driven straight out of Final Fantasy VII. No, I can't get over the fact that the blasted truck looks exactly like 12 polygons. That still irks me. And that you can't access the blasted truck bed from the sides. But I digress. So, buy, so this person at the car auction buys this Model S. It has the autopilot feature. When they buy the car, Tesla remotely yanks the autopilot functionality out of the car, saying that that owner never bought the ability for it to be self-driving. Can you imagine... If I went and, say, bought an F-250, all right, let's pretend I go out and get a pickup truck, and then Ford takes away all the ability for me to access all the various cameras on the truck because I never paid to use those cameras, that's a load of ball. I'd be angry. I should be angry. And this owner of the Tesla Model S should be angry as well because that was a feature that was bought with the car. It should, in fact, like everything else, be tied with the vehicle you have bought it. Like, imagine if I got this this mixer I'm using, the Go XLR. Let's say I bought it used. And then Go XLR... Or no, who's who makes it? TC Helicon. Let's say TC Helicon says, "Well, I never paid for the license to use the sampler or the voice modulator, so those are disabled." Although in my case, because my computer's so old, I can't even I can't actually use the sampler properly. But I digress. I would be livid. Or if on the computer. Let's say someone went up to the server I'm I'm working on getting ready right now, but they never paid to have, say, the high-end grid K1 card in it, so it just turns off. Those four GPUs are just not usable. You put this scenario literally anywhere else, and it makes no sense. So why the heck does it make sense here? It doesn't. Well, Tesla, several weeks later, 
finally, without saying a word, by the way, restored autopilot to that used vehicle. So I guess all's well that ends well, but at the same time, much like in a Telltale game, we will remember this. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, let's take a look at all the phones that would have been announced at Mobile World Congress, but had to be announced separately. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, all right, we've got here the LG V60 Thin Q. LG's attempt at a folding phone, but, but, they made one interesting twist with their folding phone. They decide to not use the absolutely abysmal, terrible foldable screen technology that's all the rage, but is terrible in the wild. This actually is a dual screen device, very similar to the, what did Microsoft call it? The, the, the Surface Duo? I actually now can't remember what, what uh, Microsoft call, calls it. And I've got a story about it later on. Dang, now that's driving me nuts. I digress, though. So it has not one, but two, I believe, 5.6-inch screens. But I am quickly skimming through the story for the details on that. And unfortunately, I am not finding anything about that as I continue to... Oh, here we go. 6.8 inch screen which is kind of massive if both of them are going to be that size we've got an IP68 water resistance 8 gigabytes of RAM Snapdragon 865 which is not the highest end 5000 milliamp battery and it's not like it's a brand new concept. We have seen this phone, phone, this kind of phone design before. In fact, oh wait, I'm sorry. That's the V60 I just talked about. Wait, I'm confused. Do I have two phones here or one? No, this is all one phone. They just have a photo. Fo- they have a photo of a different phone. And in- oh god, god dang it, article. You're ruining me. Anyway, 6.8 inch screen. All those specs I just said, that does apply to the phone. And I have mixed feelings about this. Because it actually is, you know, a phone that is going to last, unlike a lot of these foldable phones. And yeah, it's two screens. That means there's going to be a big bezel in between where the hinge is. But let's be honest, that actually does make it durable it is something that's going to last 
and actually be usable on a day-to-day basis by the masses. The only downside is the cost of this blasted thing is going to be, well, uh, (laughs) well, it's going to be over a grand. Which, unfortunately, in 2020, puts it about in the running with every other phone. My God, the cost of using phones is getting way too high. (sighs) The Vivo Apex 2020, though, another phone that would have been at Mobile World Congress but wasn't, is a phone I wish is real. I really do wish this phone actually exists. And why is that? Well, it's a fairly standard phone. All right. We got ourselves a... What are we talking here? Like a 5.6-inch screen, 5.8, maybe a 6-inch, something like that. We have a respectable size screen. It's a standard phone, not, not foldable or anything like that. But what is most impressive about this phone is the camera. The camera on this phone has a 48 megapixel sensor, an optical 5 to 7.5 times zoom, and is stabilized with a built-in gimbal. A built-in gimbal! You want to talk about taking optical image stabilization to the next level? That's how you do it right there. And I, for one, as someone when he's at these various conventions, tries to take short videos instead of pictures. And then say, I'm going to edit them together and then realize you have no way to edit videos. And then you just go into a corner and just pout a little bit and, and miss your old video editing system. But I digress. That is really attractive because now it's all built into the device. It's very discreet. You are no longer out there holding a freaking handheld gimbal. Unfortunately, though, because it was not at Mobile World Congress, we don't even we don't know how much this phone's going to cost or even if this phone is real. We can dream, though. We can dream. Sony is still making smartphones, by the way. Sony has unveiled the 5G Xperia 1-2 and the Xperia 10-2. In a related story, I hate the names of these phones. Who names these? One of them makes me wonder if we're counting up, and the other one reminds me that Final Fantasy X-2 exists. There is also going to be an Xperia Pro, and that's going to have HDMI input. Which makes me wonder, why? How? What? Like I, I not, not even like a confused what are you doing sort of why more of a 
Why? Please tell me. I, I'm actually curious. Why do I need this? You, you have my interest. Please enlighten me. What is more new worthy, worthy though, is another port it includes. It has a headphone jack. Hallelujah! Someone does care about real audio out. Finally, a phone that is usable by people who actually want good quality audio. It's a Christmas miracle. This is actually going to be my first time talking about the Xbox Series X specs. When this news broke, unfortunately, I was ill. By the way, special shout out to fill-in host uh, Megalith for filling in for me while I was out of commission. Actually, no, this aired while I was at the con, wasn't it? No. No, this was while I was ill. Anyway, regardless of, of when it was out, when, when I was out of commission the first time or the second time, we have some very interesting specs. And interesting is the correct way to put this. It is going to include a custom processor using the RDNA 2 and Zen 2 architectures from AMD, not Navi. That is actually the biggest deal out of this because we've been speculating for the longest time this was going to be big Navi. This was going to be big Navi. This was going to have Navi GPUs. It's not. This also means... Chad is telling me that it is... Oh, 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 oh. My mistake. Because AMD is not NVIDIA. All right, all right, let me rephrase this. It is Navi, but it's second-gen Navi. The generation we have right now is referred to as RDNA 1. Which, oddly enough, in all the other things I have talked about with Navi, it has not referred to it as as RDNA 1. All right, that's where the confusion comes in. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So we are going to be looking at Navi 2. And that is what's going to have our real-time ray tracing support. It is also confirmed it will, in fact, have NVMe storage. Not just any SSD. It is going to have NVMe. So what can we take away from this? First off, The big Navi GPUs we're expecting, the RX 5800, that will most likely not have real-time ray tracing. 
and AMD is going to be looking at the next generation, whether that be RX 6000 or whatever the heck name they come up with it, because trying to figure out how AMD is going to name their GPUs, you're going to have about as much success with that as you are trying to herd cats. That will most likely have real-time hardware-supported ray tracing. So let's get that straight away. The other thing to point out is that this box is supposed to have 12 teraflops of performance. This puts it close if this number is correct to the kind of performance you can get right now with the RTX 2080. Just under that, mind you. But it gets close to that, which is nuts. We can also safely assume because the PS4 is going to be pretty much almost the exact same blasted box that the PS4 is going to get close to this as well, if not surpass it. Not that it matters because it's all going to be dependent on how the developers take advantage of that. These are going to be some very interesting consoles. And these are going to be some very fascinating consoles to see just how much they can also double as your room heater. These things are going to pump out so much heat. It's going to be insane. Then again, maybe, maybe AMD has figured out the secret to getting high performance at the cost of almost no heat. Who knows? We'll find out in, oh, I don't know, nine months? Sounds about right. In addition, the Xbox Series X will have the ability to have quick resume saves even after a system update. So if the system... Let's say you just left your Xbox One X on, sitting on on, on your thing, you went to bed, it did a system update, you still have your saved game. Hey, Microsoft, you know what? Bravo, bravo. This is an amazing feature to bring to game consoles. I love it. Thanks. This this is great. I'm impressed. By the way, when am I going to get this on Windows? How many, how much progress have I lost in working in games because of a Windows update? Come on, I can't be the only one thinking this. FNA. 
In other news, though, Cyberpunk 2077 has come out and said that their Xbox version will come with a free upgrade to the Series X version. So when you go out and get your Xbox version now, you don't have to buy the game again to play it on the Series X. Chat is wondering how loud this Xbox is going to be. That is a very good question. I mean, we're we're now we're now starting to see exactly why the Xbox Series X is shaped exactly like a cooling tower. Because it has to be. The thing is is that you can have high wattage components be cooled and consume a lot of power. I mean, just look at my Z Z800 over here. That's an old system. It's high ventilation in the front, exhaust it all on the back. That thing, that's not audible. I guarantee you though, and someone in the chat actually has nailed it. This thing is going to cook. Just because way too many people are gonna are gonna put like a game box or just anything on top of it. But here, here here's bold prediction from from tech expert Eagle Falcon. This Xbox is gonna have two fans. That's it. And I'm willing to bet this thing is not gonna exceed 40 decibels. I think it can pull it off. Now, granted, this thing is going to be like almost all heatsink. This thing is going to have, you, you take this thing apart, there's going to be freaking heat pipes connecting the... Would it be technically considered an SOC? We'll call it an APU. That's going to connect the APU, the part that's going to have both the, the CPU and the GPU, to the back. Because there's going to be heat sink on both the front and the back of the motherboard. We can technically call them SOCs. Okay. Because I thought SOCs had to have the RAM on them as well. To technically be an SOC. It really doesn't matter. We're just going to call it the blasted chip. So the motherboard is just going to have the blasted chip that has everything that generates heat on it. It's probably going to have a vapor chamber for one side. A heat pipe connecting to the other side. And then the volume of this thing is just going to be nothing but freaking aluminum heatsink. Fan on the bottom, fan on the top, push pull, it's going to that's how it's going to cool the whole thing. It, 
It might be copper, but I think copper is going to cost a bit too much. I don't think it's actually anything like the NZXT H1 case. Someone in the chat just brought that into into it because the 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 H1 uses a water cooler, and the H1 is vents everywhere except the top. The Xbox One is no ventilation except the bottom and the top. It's actually going to be closer akin to the Trashcan Mac Pro design. Or the Corsair 1. In any case, I cannot wait to see this thing perform. Because either I'm going to be right and say this thing is going to perform pretty well by being almost all heatsink under the hood in a push-pull with two fans. Or chat's going to be right and it's just going to thermal throttle in an instant. And sound like an, like, like it, what, what was the model of the jet? An F-18? Yeah, an F-18. It's going to sound like an F-18 taking off. One of us is going to be right. I don't think it's going to be any other way to look at it. Jet saying I'm going to be wrong and I'll get Stadia instead. All right, well, that guy's banned now. The Microsoft Dual Potable Peak feature has been leaked out. I'm actually kind of surprised at um, how much attention Windows 10X is getting. Like most tech outlets right now, granted, it's the biggest thing to come out of Microsoft in a while besides this Xbox Series X that no one knows how in the flying flock it's not just going to be a freaking heat cannon. It's pretty much you have that and Windows Series X. Or I'm sorry, Windows 10X. God dang it. Why is there so much X in Microsoft? Anyway. The feature will in fact just use the second screen of the device do just have whatever you're trying to open give you a peek at it rather than opening it completely chat is now pointing out that Microsoft Mixer also has an X in it man there is no escaping it is there Is Microsoft just being run by 90s kids? That everything has to be extreme? You know what? Don't answer that. Here's my question, though, regarding Windows Series... God dang it, I did it again! Windows 10X. How many dual-screen devices are there actually going to be? We have the Surface Duo and the Surface Neo. 
how what else is there going to be knowing dell they'll make a device that basically copies the surface duo and the surface neo and then both of those devices will fail in an instant because that's how dell operates And then who else? Oh, wait, no, I take that back. Lenovo said they were going to make one too, didn't they? Like, I think these devices can be cool. But the way they're hyping this up, it makes me feel like we are going to be seeing a surge. Underline a surge of dual screen devices to the point where they might even outnumber standard laptops. And I think it's cool until you have to use the on-screen keyboard because there's not a real one. Oh, hey, look, Chad actually beat me to that, virtual keyboards. We'll see. We'll see. You know what I'm not looking forward to, though? TCL and their extendable screen phone. It's a normal phone, but you can slide out a portion of it, and it somehow with what I can only assume is unicorn tears, create a bigger, full screen that has no seam in it whatsoever. Unfortunately, we have we don't have a physical prototype of this that anyone has seen. All we have is videos, which reek of either witchcraft, Photoshop, or movie magic. Personally, I think witchcraft. I don't think this is real. I don't. This is just fiction. We're going to take another break here when we come back. Destiny 2 getting rid of their loot boxes and good old games being good old publishers. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. This is actually the first time we're introducing these new bumpers, and uh, chat is saying that we're going to get muted and copyright claimed right here and now. And we're not, actually. We do have permission from the Fat Rat to use his tracks as bumpers, and I like to say thank you, Fat Rat. Music is fantastic. That being said, though, Let's actually get back into the stories. Destiny 2 is actually following the same path as some other games that have decided, you know, maybe, just maybe, we can live in a world without loot boxes. There are no longer going to be any paid loot boxes in Destiny 2 for season pass holders. And thus, there was much rejoicing 
as the as the prospect of gambling within a game for season pass holders is completely removed and we can move beyond having to go ahead and make money using paid loot boxes if you're a season pass holder. Okay, real talk for a second. Are you kidding me? Really? Only for season pass holders? All right, I'll I'll just say this much, Bungie. You get one clap for taking one step in the right direction. That's all you get. I'm I'm happy for you, but you could do better, and you know you could do better. I'm just saying. Also, what? Uh, and, you know, this is like completely off the rails. But I'm I'm using TechSpot for this story. This was reported, of course, all over the place because this actually is a big deal. But what the heck is with TechSpot's? Like, suggestion column over here for articles. The top one says the RX 580 versus the GTX 1060. Which was the better investment? What year is this? In any case, good old games, also known as GOG.com. Com has issued a brand new refund policy. Wow, that article took forever to load. Where games that you have purchased on GOG, which by the way are DRM free and they are super proud of that, can be refunded up to 30 days after you've bought it, even if you've played the game. And of course, in the case of GOG, they have no idea if you've played the game because it's DRM free. This is by far the most generous refund policy that's out there. And it's obvious why they're doing this. It's being done at the same time that Bethesda went and notoriously banned people from getting refunds. And Blizzard too. When everyone found out that Warcraft 3 Reforged was in fact Warcraft 3 Remastered, but then also gimped the older versions as well because reasons. Blizzard also stopped refunds as well. And chat's commenting, oh, because Steam's refund policy is such hot garbage Steam's refund policy is freaking generous compared to the kind of nonsense that was going on on Bethesda and Blizzard's platform. Granted, Steam's isn't all that great. Only giving, what, a handful of days and then if you've played it for more than a certain amount of hours, you're not eligible for it. At least Steam's is understandable Compared to the scandalous policies that the other ones have had. Three hours is the max you can play. Or two. 
within 48 hours and you can only play two hours. Some people are saying one hour. We're getting... I'm going to have to look this up, aren't I? Uh, Steam refund policy. You can refund a game purchased on Steam if if you request the refund within two weeks of the purchase and have played the game for less than two hours total. And this was last updated in 2019. It is possible that it has changed since then. All right. So, I mean, that's actually still not that bad, but understandable, right? You've got to have at least have played the game for, you can't, you can't have just like beaten the game outright. I mean, how many games can you actually beat in two hours? Actually, there's only one game I can think of that I have beaten in under two hours and could have refunded the game and got my money back, but it was such a good game. I wouldn't have done that. And that was one shot. One shot only took me two hours. Chat saying Untitled Goose Game. Unfortunately, Untitled Goose Game wasn't on Steam. Is that on Steam yet? I don't think it is. Chat's wondering if I actually if I actually paid attention to the story in one shot. I did actually. One shot was amazing though. But yeah, we beat it in like Oh no, I think I did actually beat it in, in longer than two hours. I know we did two streams of it, but I went back after uh tweaking the game a little bit to get rid of my save data to try and play the game again and try to dig a little bit deeper after the playthrough. But that's that's beyond the point. My point... Is that that's a reasonable one. And and good old games goes... A much bigger step forward. And for that... I know why they're doing it. It's to get attention. It's to get the public to talk about it. That being said though, kudos. Good on GOG. And also, if you haven't played One Shot, go play One Shot. One Shot's a ton of fun. That is a beautiful game. And made an RPG maker as well. Which that's That also blows me away. That One Shot is a freaking RPG maker game. Like, you would never know unless I told you that. GOG, however, has gone out and said... Look, we're trying to be nice. Please don't abuse it. Don't make us regret being nice people. I'll say it too. Please don't make please don't make frickin' GOG regret everything. Let's shift gears over to Apple. Rumors are starting to surge about Apple releasing an ARM powered Mac. In 2021. All right. Raise the hands. Who is shocked by this? 
Who would be surprised if there was an ARM-powered Mac in 2021? Anyone? Of course not. It's obvious that Apple wants to do this, or that you have no idea what an, what an ARM-powered Mac is. In which case, I will tell you. ARM is, is another kind of processor. Most computers use what is known as x86. Those are Intel processors and AMD processors and a handful of other ones that are not commonly used like VIA. ARM is basically... The kind of processors that power mobile devices. And Apple has been almost cult-like in how much they worship their own processor and how fast it is. And how they try to claim their latest iPad is as powerful as any Windows laptop out there. While they compare it to a freaking Celeron-powered netbook. ARM is eventually going to be a very powerful and very capable processor. And one day, ARM may, in fact, surpass x86. You know, except for the part where AMD just appears to just want to make freaking supercomputers on a chip. 64 cores. I still cannot believe that on one processor. That is Looney Tunes. But in any case, I would not be surprised by an ARM-powered Mac. I would not be surprised right now if Mac OS could, in fact, run on ARM. I would not be surprised at all if it was announced next year that Mac will move to ARM. We'll see, though. We'll see. The Witcher 3 got a very interesting update for the Switch version. Which includes something that most people on consoles haven't seen. Quality options. Chat, of course, brings up a point that I neglected to bring up because my... Because I've got so much on my plate, it's not even funny. If the Macs do come out with this, there is a high chance that almost all, if not all, of the software that Macs currently run on are not going to be compatible with the new ARM-powered Macs. They ran into a similar problem like this when they switched off of PowerPC to Intel in the first place. That's the other reason why that why this isn't out of the realm of possibility. We have had big transitions out of Apple before. I would throw the Motorola chip to PowerPC in there, but um I don't think that actually caused nearly as big of a issue as the G5 to Intel. Like, I remember that that was 
a much bigger problem. Though they managed to figure out a good emulator for it. Who knows? Maybe they'll figure it out with ARM. We'll see, though. The Witcher 3, though, brought something to their Switch port that console gamers haven't seen in a long time. Quality options. So that you can choose between having low frame rates on a good-looking picture or high frame rate and a not-so-good-looking picture. Now, on one hand, you can go, Haha, the Switch is terrible. It doesn't have the horsepower to run the Witcher 3. Dirty, 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 dirty. On the other hand, I find this incredibly intelligent. What a concept. Give the user the choice whether they want an amazing picture or high frame rate. That might be why I actually like gaming on PCs! That and also I'm a giant nerd who enjoys trying to take what a lot of people consider literal e-waste and turning it into competent gaming machines. The other big notable point about this is that this update also brings cross-platform saves to the Switch. So, for example, I could play The Witcher 3 on my Switch on the go, and then when I get home, I can fire up The Witcher 3 on Steam and continue the save from there. That is incredible. Chat is speculating that this could be a new entry point for homebrew. It could be. I mean, honestly, here's the thing with homebrew. Those guys are witches. They are gonna they are gonna pour unicorn's blood on a switch, and just like freaking magic, because that's just how ta- that's just the kind of talent homebrew has on their side. Just turn that thing into running freaking windows. And yeah, actually having the Witcher of all things be a point of ingress into into the Switch is also rather annoying. And yes, I am aware there is already Android for the Switch. Which is why I didn't say Android for the Switch, because they already have a method to do it. Heck, one of those guys would figure out how to get freaking macOS on there, but I don't know why the heck you would go from one super lockdown system to another super lockdown system. That's like... Why? Why would you do this? Speaking of uh, lockdown systems, we have a patent from Apple researching into what I can only describe as Johnny Ives' ideal machine. An iPhone... That is all glass, all display, no physical buttons, and has to charge 
wirelessly. You know, normally these sort of patents, I just like, hey, look, here, here's what Apple may or may not do, but probably won't because only like 2% of Apple patents ever become anything. I mean, really, for the most part, this is probably never going to happen, by the way. This comes off to me as a patent that Apple is never going to take advantage of. They just want to do it to hinder phones like, oddly enough, like chat just mentioned, the Mi Mix Alpha, which is doing something very similar. I just found this much more amusing because this literally is the kind of phone that was used in a college humor parody where their fake Johnny Ive just said, careful. I wanted to turn the new iPhone into an aluminum brick. Well, here you go, a glass brick! Literally! It's not even all that fictional! It's just actually there. I'm not going to lie, though. Much like the uh, the Mimix Alpha, this probably would look really cool until you actually had to use it and go, Oh, Oh, we're going to take another break here. When we come back, I have even more bizarre stories, including the Samsung Galaxy glitch that had everyone stare at the number one and our last burb story, which is super, super bizarre. Also, super laptops, super laptop. Just 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 think about what you think would be on a super laptop. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Now, I know this story is a bit old, but again, we have two weeks to cover. A little bit more than that, but a while back, if you had a Samsung phone like I did, all of a sudden one day, Your phone just decided to say the number one twice. And it was from the Find My Galaxy app, which is a system app on almost all modern Samsung devices. Now, I personally thought when this came through that I accidentally in my pocket managed to trip something. It turned out this was an internal test done at Samsung that was supposed to only affect the devices in their lab, but um, they forgot to uncheck the box that said send to all devices. Okay, that's not exactly what happened, but that's basically what happened. 
And that's why every Samsung phone owner was weirded out. Eurocom! <laughs> Chat's wondering who did an at everyone. That's basically what Samsung did. They at everyone and then the number one. And then at everyone again with another number one. Eurocom has decided to basically make a storage server and fit it into a laptop with 28 terabytes of solid state storage capable inside one of their 17.3 inch DTR laptops. Now Eurocom, if you if you've never heard of these guys, you absolutely should look up their laptops, but never look at the price because you will never afford them because they're that over over the top overkill. They tend to make thick laptops and they just don't care what they throw into it. This particular laptop in fact has the capability for 3 M.2 slots as well as two two and a half inch drive bays. And with the loadout they can get on this, throw two eight terabyte SATA SSDs in addition to three four terabyte NVMe SSDs into the M2s, thus bringing us to our 28 terabyte solid state capacity. In addition, because it's Eurocom, this sucker has built into it a subwoofer, dual decent speakers, a battery that will last all of 30 seconds, dual MXM GPUs, which most likely can go all the way up to RTX 2080 Ti's or some quadro variant of such. Oops. Glitched my screen there for a second. As well as a full desktop processor on this. Welcome to Euracom. And of course, even though it's over the top, this thing just looks like a generic black laptop. Oh, Eurocom, never change. Please, never change. We need lunatics like you in the world. Juul, the the vaping company, cannot figure out where its place is in the world after being the target of literally everyone, has decided to go back to what the original point was to making e-cigarettes and have come out with a brilliant solution. Put AI into the vape pen so that as you use it, it gives you less and less and less nicotine and eventually breaking the habit of nicotine as a whole. Wow, it's almost like that was the original point of a vape device in the first place! How did it take Jewel this long to come up with this?
Okay, okay. I, I actually should just quickly go and, and give him a clap. Give him a clap. This this is this is a good step. Okay, this 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 is actually a good device. I actually do approve. But again, what took you so long? <sighs> and of course, Jet brings up the most likely the obvious answer, which is because money. To which I sigh, move on, sigh again. When I read the title, Citroen, who I have mispronounced, introduces a new EV EV electronic vehicle that is a tiny two-seater that costs $22 a month to rent, not buy. You can only rent this little mini car, and you don't need a license to drive it, and you can start renting it as old as 14 years old in France, or if you're 16 years old in other European countries. Excuse me, what? So, first off, there's one thing I have to point out. This article actually drives me a little insane from Engadget. Because we're talking about an electric vehicle that is only going to launch in Europe. All right? But all the units of measurement in this are are imperial. The thing can run for up to 44 miles on a single charge. Can only go as fast as 28 miles an hour. And I... I'm amused. Chat says even the EU uses miles per hour. I don't think that's true. I'm pretty sure it's kilometers per hour. Yeah, that's what I thought. 28 miles per hour is 45 kilometers per hour. Okay. Oh, it had a dual standard for a while. All right. Well, in any case, UK uses mile per hour. Well, the UK also drives on the wrong side of the road. So, I mean, there's that too. They're all messed up. The UK's messed up. Anyway, we're getting off. Oh, we're, we're getting onto a weird rant here. This is just a weird sort of thing. Now, granted, it's not that fast. 28 miles per hour, it really isn't all that fast. That is fast. You can actually, if you're an idiot, cause some damage with that. And now I'm getting shade from the Scots in chat, which uh, I I deserve. Anyway, it still blows me away that you can have 14 and 16-year-olds just pick up one of these, drive it for... 
basically a week's worth of lunch money almost without a driver's license. Like maybe that's just because I, I'm a per, I'm a professional driver. There's all sorts of hoops and everything I have to jump through in order to get my driver's license. That just blows me away. That across the pond, any kid can just grab a car and just drive. And it's okay because you can only go 28 miles an hour. I don't know about that. Meanwhile, on the other side of the pond, we have a disgruntled Waymo employee who decided to uh, cause a car crash with a self-driving car after getting fired. How petty are you? Like, <laughs> oh, they fired me. I'll show them how bad their work is. This, this amuses me for all the wrong reasons. But yeah, the, the, the disgruntled employee just swerved in front of the vehicle, slammed on his brakes, and caused the car to uh, rear-end him. Oh, there you go. There you have it. In much scarier news, though, this actually from the Linus Tech Tips Forum, reports have gone out that uh, you could put stickers on speed limit signs and confuse the ever-loving heck out of a Tesla self-driving car. By adding a sticker in between the top and bottom portion, but in the middle of the of the number three on a speed limit sign for 35 miles an hour, they have successfully tricked the self-driving car to go 85 miles an hour, 50 miles over the speed limit. And someone in the chat actually was about to go on a rant about how Easily, you can hurt someone using self-driving cars because of it. Dude, this is horrifying. Now, in fairness, it only took a few days after the exploit was found for Teslas to be patched with this, but god dang. That's some scary stuff right there. Shifting Gears Activision has used the Digital Millennium Copyright Act against Reddit to give up the identity of someone who has leaked information regarding an upcoming game release. Now, you see, I'm a little split on this. On one hand... I want to rip on Activision. For. Using such legal means. To go after someone. For simply. Putting out information. That they got their hands on. 
On the other hand, I also want to rip on Activision for going against an innocent person who accurately predicted that there was going to be yet another Call of Duty game. Oh my God, who could have seen it coming? My God. Next, you're going to tell me that maybe, maybe Jackbox Games is going to release the Jackbox Party Pack 7 later in fall in the year 2020. <gasps> Seriously, that's about as how predictable it is. By the way, it actually it, I should actually say it is official. Jackbox is going to make the Party Pack 7 that already has been confirmed. One of the games is going to be Quiplash 3. That is actually a real thing that actually was something that Jackbox did announce. I don't know anything more, so I'm not going to report anything more. I will report on, however, how Microsoft Flight Simulator has decided to become a huge ram hog by including accurate simulations of every airport in the world in their new flight simulator. I will say that is some very amusing details to include in a game that's as old and as old as time. Real talk, though, I actually am amused. And that actually does sound like it actually will be pretty cool. And I'm sure those who are huge fans of Microsoft Flight Simulator will be thrilled. A company has developed a... Oh, I'm sorry. The University of Chicago has created a wearable bracelet that jams all microphones around you. This is a new level of tinfoil hatness. Except unlike the tinfoil hat, this works. Like, I'm not even mad. I'm actually kind of interested. Can you get this in a pocket-sized device? Hmm... On one hand, this actually is very fascinating, especially if you don't want to be spied on. On the other hand, you you can cause so much mayhem. Because not only will it mess up smart, not only will it mess up voice assistants like the Echo, like the, the Google Nest devices, or I think I just triggered my phone, didn't I? Yep, I did. Or smartwatches and those sort of things. However, that means it'll affect phones. You could absolutely ruin someone's phone conversation. Or heck, imagine unable to call 911 during an emergency event. Oh God, I think about that a little bit more. This could actually lead to horrifying scenarios. Man, this topic went from that's kind of hilarious and a, and a new way to tinfoil hat to my god, that could be a that could be a terrifying freaking We're moving on. I I I've now scared myself. Let's talk about how th- how a new 3D pr- printing method could in fact make 3D models printable in seconds. 
by using a translucent liquid and lasers to harden the liquid. Accurate and detailed models can be printed in less than 30 seconds. That is actually incredible. Not only because you're able to get a good, amazing print, but the fact that it actually now is one of the fastest methods, even faster than UV resin printing was before, and having models printed in seconds, and also the fact that it involves lasers. Frickin' lasers. All right, now, full disclosure before I get into this stu- into this uh, topic. My podcast is hosted by Spreaker. Even though my podcast is on over a dozen different platforms, probably close to 20 or 30 by now, I'd actually have to go back and see what all platforms Eagle Eyes on Tech and the Early Burb Briefing are on. But it's all hosted by Spreaker. Spreaker, in fact, also powers my ads. And they are the heart and soul of this podcast. All right. That being said, Vox Nest, which is the parent company of Spreaker, has announced they are partnering with Staples to go put the dying retail store into better use by offering rentable audio recording studios for podcasters. That being said, I I kind of have mixed feelings about this. Because they are, it does look like they are offering very good audio gear with this. I recognize the mics. They look like um, some, some, actually, I don't recognize the mics. Those look like roads. But, you know, we've got nice isolation on them. We've got, oddly enough, what look like the exact same mic arms I use on this. We've got actual XLR mi- mixers. It actually looks like a very competent podcasting studio. That being said, though, if you actually are looking to get into podcasting, I would almost say for getting started, this can work in a pinch. This could work. Like, for example, when I was sick last week and say I had to get someone local, hey, here's here's the stuff. I need you to go record this sort of stuff, but I didn't want them to like, they didn't want to come into my studio because I've been coughing everywhere and it could be infectious or whatever. They could just take my stories, go down to the staples, record it there, and then just send me the files and then I could go and do everything. The thing is, is that You're still going to have to pay money to use the studio. The actual cost, they're talking, they actually do not say how much it is going to cost. 
which is kind of a shame. And right now it's only available in, right now, Boston. So it wouldn't have been an option for me last week anyway. But if you're looking to kind of make a go of it, if you actually want to go ahead and do podcasting on a on a semi-full-time basis, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense. Unless you can really just get an audience big right off the bat and just generate a ton of ad revenue that way so that you're actually still making money and able to pay both your guest talent, whoever it may be, and support the cost of renting the studio. But that is all up to the podcasters themselves. I think it's actually a good idea in my sort of scenario where I said, you know, I'm not able to do it and I need someone else to do it who is local but doesn't want to use my stuff. That would make sense. Speaking of voice recordings, pay uh, Facebook wants to pay you for your voice. See, that sounded like a good idea until I mentioned Facebook, didn't it? Which, oddly enough, was the first thing I said. Users can earn up to $5 by recording their voice into their Facebook app to be used for their voice recognition software. You know what you should do? You absolutely should go back to that ultrasonic jammer that um that jams microphones. Just keep entering and re-recording using that so that they actually get nothing except for distorted audio from the ultrasonic jammers and just keep collecting five bucks. And actually, in my case, I wouldn't mind actually just doing that, but then going out of my way to just, like, go from, like, my normal voice to something like this, to something like this, to something like this, and just keep shifting over and 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 over again. Then collect my up to $5. I should reiterate that it's up to $5, not that it's guaranteed $5 every time, but more importantly, to just... Fill Facebook's archive with so much hot garbage, they can't use anything. That, in my opinion, is worth far more than the however much money I'd get out of Facebook, which would probably be nothing because I filled their database with hot garbage. I think that'd be amazing. Which brings us to our last burb story the weirdest story of the day. I'm not going to lie. When I looked through my list of stories, there was no way this was not going to be the weirdest story of the day. From futurism.com. Here's the headline. Bomb sniffing cyborg locust. Bomb sniffing cyborg locusts. Yes. 
we live in a world where scientists have in fact created cyborg locusts taking real locusts and putting electronic implants into them so that they can detect explosives. You now live in a world with bomb-sniffing cyborg locusts. Does anything more really need to be said? Folks, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I'm glad. And and hopefully we'll actually be back once the new system is actually... it. Once the new computer and everything is actually in effect, and we will be... Back to full capacity and not have to worry about any technical difficulties. Be sure to check out my daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, which you can find wherever you found this podcast, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google, Spreaker, everywhere you can find it. And also check out my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, rest well, and hopefully we'll see you next time. And real quick, because I couldn't find a good spot to really put it in today's podcast, there, there was really a lot that ended up having to make, make the axe. A bit of sad news for our, for gamers out there. Kazu he, 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 Kazuhisa Hashimoto, who I have most likely mispronounced and is rolling in his grave because of how badly I pronounced his name, to which I apologize, has passed away. He was most notable for being the programmer at Konami, who has created the infamous code that is used in Konami games since ever, pretty much. The code, of course, being up, up, down, down, left, right, BA, start, and unfortunately did not grant immortality in real life. May he rest in peace, and may us gamers never, ever forget the code because, of course, if you stream on Twitch, you need that code in order to get to, to, to the secret menu used to actually select what you can view and what you can't. Twitch, what the heck were you thinking when you did that? Ah!